Uh, Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is you Will Anderson. Fu- I forgot you to do the date. Did the date. You forgot. Like, I, I literally said to you 10 seconds ago, have you got the date? You said, yep. I mean, I know what the date is. I just forgot where the date went in that sentence. <laughs> to my credit. I was about to say the date, and then I was like, hang on. I've said that the wrong way around. I've yoded the intro. I've put the date at the end like I'm like filling in an American form. Well, I have to do the Two Guys, One Cup intro for Americans, and they make me put the date at the end, not at the start. You're kind of, you know, you know what you are. You are like the Fremantle of podcast hosts because like you got that flakiness where it's like in the first season of Two Guys, One Cup, it's like, oh, they're flaky, but you know what? They've got potential. Maybe it's just, you know, there's just, it's nerves of just being in the first series of the podcast. But now we're seeing the flakiness happening and it's like, oh, maybe this is a bit more endemic. Well, it's one of those things where like, uh, okay, now what I like to think I am, Charlie, is yeah. I like to think it's like the Bulldogs. I've got a bit of a premiership hangover. Oh, you yeah. know, I've come back four, four or five weeks late into my podcast preparation. You know, I'm still a bit fumbly at this stage. But, you know, by round six or seven, I really feel like I'll be, you know, nailing the date. But of course... I've shown a lot of potential over the years that I could nail the date. There've been occasions, you know, Ty Vickery style, where yeah. I've had like a game where I've mm. really nailed the date in the podcast, and people yeah. have been like, "Oh wow, he's back!" And you know, well, you know what it is. My... You know what it is about you, Will, is that you just yeah. want to see him put it together a few weeks in a row. Like you'll right. get like a two week, but you're like Cozzy. We'll get like three weeks of like best on ground, three vote performances, and then nothing for five weeks. I mean, no, then, and then, then the week is, four, you run into a, a, into a goalpost and knock yourself out. Well, no, I think the thing is that there's a different flaw in my game that's revealed every week. So it's one of those things where, like, one week I can't mark, and then the next week. So sometimes I get the date wrong. Sometimes I get the name of the podcast wrong. Sometimes I forget to say our names. I'm Will Anderson. You're Charlie Clawson. We never got to yeah. that bit. It is Tuesday, April the 4th. Yeah. There you go. We got it all out in the end. You are the Levi Casbolt of saying intros. Maybe I'm a, yeah, it could go anywhere. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You know that I'm going to start with it. I've got the ball in hand. So I'm about 40 out <laughs> mm. on a slide angle and you don't know where this is going. And then the, then the weird thing is we could have a really rushed podcast. We don't have much time to prep, but then you'll nail it. Like the most difficult intro, you'll just nail it. Just occasionally. Just occasionally. You know what it is? It's Enough when I'm to not tease. thinking about it, Charlie. <laughs> That's the problem. If I just let it, if I get in that state where I can just intro... Then I'm actually really good, but most of the time I'm in my own head. I've yeah. got to come up with some intro routine. I've got to Matthew Lloyd it, you know what I mean? I've got yeah. to have some set throw routine. The gla- throw the grass in the air. Why don't you rip up some of the carpet in your hotel? Just throw it in the air now. Throw oh, Mr. Anderson, like- what are you doing? Sorry, that's your, that's your <laughs> really stereotypical weird. maid at the door. It's really weird that like uh, this hotel room he stayed in just had like patches <laughs> ripped out of the... But he's never introduced the podcast better. <laughs> I mean, I imagine the hotel curator would be mad about that because obviously they've got to prepare for the ashes test. Yeah, yeah. So they'd be, they'd be like, oh, this they, patch is all over they have, a real com- they have a real comedian coming to stay in that room. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to muck around with you, mate. Yeah, no, somebody's doing an actual radio show. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. fine with that for a paid show, mate, but not for a free podcast. Oh, mate, look, you know, I would take it seriously, but he, he, he does a routine in reduced minutes. I mean, it's not even like a full routine. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bit nervous, Charlie. Uh, I will tell you this on a football-related note, that uh, tomorrow night, we're recording this on a Tuesday, but tomorrow night, whenever you're listening to this, Wednesday, uh, the 5th of April, um, 
uh, one of the audience members in my show, Critically Will, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, will be none other than the 2016 Premiership coach, Luke Beveridge. Unintended moment of silence. No, no, no. Respectful moment of silence. I'm, I'm staying in a hotel that I can see the MCG from the balcony of my hotel. And at the moment, I'm really tempted three times a day to just pray to it like it's Mecca. <laughs> I just look at it and go, you have so many good memories for me. And I can just look at you every day and be reminded of those good memories. It's been, I've, I've spent a lot of time on the balcony. Yeah. Just you, just, like, you just get on the floor and you unroll your dog scarf and you kneel down and you start bowing towards it. <laughs> Liberatore. Yeah, there has been a little bit of a a religious ceremony. So I'm nervous. I'm nervous because obviously last year when he came and saw the show, it was a really good show. It was a good night of the run. I was really happy with it. Afterwards, you know, he famously gave me the you know, the, the sign football. And I said to him, could you please win the whole thing so that this is worth something? And he said to me, hang on to it. That was last year. And I feel like that was an integral part of the Bulldogs story. And so I feel like there's some pressure on me, not only for them to repeat their success of last year, but mm. how can I play my part inspiring that journey? I'm, I'm like, what messages should I put in the show? Like, you know, what sort of little secret things should I like, you know, kind of infuse in there? That, but, because the thing we know about Bevo is... He's mad for using an outsider's resource. Yeah. Like next year when he's like making his premiership speech, instead of this year when he quoted Dr. Seuss, I want him to quote me. I want him to be, it's like Will Anderson said in Critically Will, April 5th, Wednesday, when I went. <laughs> also, <laughs> the uh, like. same day they recorded Two Guys, One Cup. I knew that because Will didn't yeah. stuff up the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see a moment at the end of your show because he's already established the tone, right? If this was the sequel... He comes yeah. out, he meets you after the show, and he's got another signed football under his arm. But when he sees you, you can't read his expression. It's kind of just blank, inscrutable. You don't know if he's liked it or not. And he looks at you, he takes the ball out from under his arm, he looks at the ball, he thinks about it, he half extends it to you. As you reach for it, he pulls it back and he says, well done, mate, and then hands it to you. Do you burst into tears at that point? No, I'd be like, this is great. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> But I know he's getting inside my head and their head in the way that it's meant to be. I trust him. Like, I mean, I was sceptical about the cloaky thing. He's clearly, even two weeks in, kind of proved me wrong that that's probably going to be an okay thing for us. Then, you know, what if he does want to, if he wants to do the ball fakey thing with me? Fake away, my friend. <laughs> I, um, you know how I love a surprise. You know this because you helped plan my uh, surprise 40th birthday party. Still the greatest yeah. day of my entire life, apart from the AFL grand final last year. Um, <laughs> And Shit, up until that point, I was responsible for number one. I've been bumped by the grand final. Yeah, I'm that was throw a tough you... day for you, actually. Right? <laughs> that was a tough day for you. I made you sit next to me, mm. A, while my team now has two premierships and your team only still has one. Yeah. And secondly, the fact that, yeah, up until that point, you were responsible for the greatest day of my life. And now you're number two again. <laughs> On grand final day, you've come off second yet again. What another tragic memory to add to your bank of tragic memories of coming second on the last day of the football season. Uh, well, I was wondering why I felt so depressed after that game. Um, the reason I bring up surprises is that... Um, you know how, so I like surprises. And even, uh, you know, when you guys were arranging my 40th, there was a few people who messaged me on Facebook and stuff that 
I could tell in the thing they were about to give away some aspects of it, so I really went out of my way not to not to read any spoilers, you know? I, I knew to avoid the areas where I might see some spoilers, because I knew something was happening, but I didn't know to what extent, and I didn't want to know. I wanted to be genuinely surprised. But I was reading the email chain uh, between my manager and the Bulldogs about, you know, coming to the show tomorrow night, and I accidentally saw my surprise in the email chain, because last year they gave me a ball, but I know what I'm getting as my present this year because it was actually mentioned we want to present him with this thing after the... And I, so I'll still act surprised, but yeah. I've seen it and I know what it is. Uh, they are going to give me a signed 2016 uh, jersey like by the Premiership team, like a signed jersey. The sweatiest one they could find. They just dragged it off. They just dragged it off the bont. Got it super disgusting and soaked in sweat. Blood snot. No, they, no, they probably uh, took it off handling when he when he left. <laughs> yeah. So like, they're <laughs> like, you right. can go. We'll trade you to West Australia, but we need one thing in return. As part of the deal, we're going to let you go free, uh, but we do need your sweaty jumper from Grand Final Day, if that's okay. W- will it have your name on it? I don't know. I, that, that, that bit of it, I don't know. I don't know what, what it'll have on it. There's no Andersons at play see. for the Bulldogs, are there? No. No, 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 there isn't. No. It hasn't really been traditionally either, and it's quite a popular name. Anderson. Greg Anderson, the um, well, the, I was going to say, for, yeah, he was good. Greg Anderson had that like yeah. weird straight kind of mullet. long slash half mullet, half kind of wasn't quite a mullet. Yeah, Very like much like he could have been out if he'd frizzed it up. He could have been out the front of Uncanny X Men in the eighties. If you were watching like a, an SNL sketch and they were spoofing the eighties, he looked like that. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, that's my look. Yeah. I <laughs> Make think, me like that. Yeah. He had the Kato Kalen going on. Yeah. He was taking in photos from Saturday Night Live <laughs> as shots, reference shots for his hairdresser. But Anderson's a, quite a popular name. And yet in the history of the AFL, like there's not a, like a heap of really brilliant Andersons that I can remember. So maybe Anderson's a, I mean, my cousin Stuart Anderson played in a premiership team at North Melbourne. Um, but there's not like immediately doesn't sprint, sprint you know, there's not, not famous Andersons as, you know, football names, unless you have to go way back, right? Well, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of Clausens who have dominated the AFL throughout history. <laughs> right. But that doesn't, that makes sense because I've never, ever met anyone else who has your name. But, <laughs> but Anderson is a really popular and common name. Yeah. I feel like we're underrepresented. Lift your game, Anderson. <laughs> Maybe you just need an Anderson uh, inclusive round where it's like, you know, because they, they'll, they'll um, do different rounds of different causes. You could just have an Anderson round. Just Anderson get all the awareness round. Anderson awareness round. Yeah, that's right. We had, had me awareness last week. Now I've got Anderson awareness. Get all the Andersons out there. Right. Yeah, that could be a round. And yeah. I'll do something. I'm happy to come up with the banner for that day. Danny McGinley can have a week off. <laughs> How you feel? How, how's your, how's your footy mood? How's your footy oh, mood? Oh, yeah, uh, no, I'm a, lot, a lot better. Thank you. A lot better. Thank you. Um, you know, yep. uh, 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 I'd stayed up to watch it. I wasn't going to, but I'd been working and then I was like, oh, it's another 20 minutes till the game comes on. So it's almost 2am and I was expecting that I'd just watch the first quarter and want to go to bed. But of course, like we were playing so well. So I watched like the first half, went to bed and couldn't sleep for five hours because I was just so anxious to know <laughs> the result. But you know what? In my head, I had a feeling that the game could go the way the game went because just missed too many shots on goal. As George Danikian said to me in the 2009 Grand Final, you can't miss shots on goal, and that's uh, that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, you got to take your chances in Western Australia as well. But yes. they got a bad. I mean, I know I'm wading into a, a controversial area. As a oh bulldogs. yeah, exactly. Because the happiest day of your life <laughs> may also I mean, uh, have been an yeah, event umpires, where there was some lopsided umpiring. Right, and look, there's been a myriad of studies that they've been printing in the paper this week that just show that teams traditionally get an umpiring advantage if there's a home ground advantage. So mm. in Sydney, Sydney Swans get a home ground advantage. In Adelaide, they get a home ground advantage. In Western Australia, they get a home ground advantage. And you would argue on grand final day that the Bulldogs probably got that exact same home ground advantage. There was 80,000 people in that game who cheered everything that was maybe a Bulldogs free kick and not the others. Surely if you're an umpire and you're hearing that sort of noise, it at least makes you check that extra moment more. It's mm. like in cricket. Like if the bowler really appeals... Like, sometimes, like, you know, if the bowler doesn't appeal very much, like, if you're the umpire, you're going, oh, well, even they don't think it's really out, right? <laughs> and I think, yeah, there's got to be that psychology as an umpire on the field. If, like, 80,000 people suddenly yell ball, maybe you think, oh, maybe that was holding the ball, you know, if you kind of, yeah. or if you've got a 50-50 in your mind mm. and everyone says it, you, you kind of go, don't you think? Yeah, but I think it's more than that. Like, I think there is other elements there. Because I, I read Richo's comments today, and I'm surprised that it was even a news story because I just assume that everyone accepts that there's like home ground bias, not bias from the point of the umpires, but there's a home ground influence, I guess. But there were just yeah. certain moments in the game where you felt that it wasn't kind of like a, a high pressure situation, which the crowd were roaring and they had to make a decision, but there were just these kind of plucked from nowhere where, you know, the crowd was just murmuring and then they see something that no one else saw or didn't seem to make any sense and would go West Coast way. There's just a couple of decisions where it was like, like uh, uh, Jack Stephen just gathering the ball on the wing, handballing immediately because he's going to get tackled and it goes out of bounds and it's deliberate. And it's like he didn't go near the boundary line. The ball bounced towards the boundary. Those little kind of 50-50s where the crowd didn't even yell for it. The umpire just picked it. That's where I think it's like, it's not just the, the cheering or the booing that... That, that pressures them. It's the fact that they have to perform in front of a hostile audience. And do you think it, it, it affects how hostile? Because, like, it seems to be fewer in Sydney and it seems to be more in Western Australia. So do you think that's an indication that umpires are more at fear of their life in Western Australia when they leave? Like, is there that chance of, like, all those... You know, the Gillard reports, you know, said all the allegations of the connections with the underworld, you know, through the drugs mm. and stuff at the club, and part of the problem was actually the bad dudes that they were hanging out with and the circles they were moving in. Mm. Are you saying there's still a chance that perhaps when you're umpiring in Western Australia, they let one of the celebrity supporters into the umpire's room <laughs> and they just look around and they're like, hey, you uh, got a lot of nice pretty things here in this umpire's room. It'd be a... Uh, Real pity if your whistle got broken, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying I would do it, but... I get you. So you're saying uh, like a colourful Perth identity might visit the umpires right. before the game and go to the goal umpire, for instance, and go, well, that's a, that's a nice flag. It's a, you're a real shame if something happened to it. <laughs> Snaps to it, it in half. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the umpire just like reaches into his bag and pulls out another flag. Yeah. Uh, like... Well, what if something happened to this one as well? <laughs> Gets another flag. Mate, I've, seriously, I've brought like 20 flags. You're going to do this for each one? <laughs> yeah, this is the one thing. Like, you have to actually order them by the thousands. It's pretty much the only economical <laughs> way to buy flags. So we have so many flags. To be honest, you're doing us a favour. We, we, don't, we don't have the storage room. It's the storage costs that are killing us. That's why we can't pay the women players more. Literally, we have to store all these flags we bought because somebody got a zero wrong on a form. Anyway, it was Demetrio. That's why he left. The end. What, what kind of ego do you think you need to... If you had to give me like a armchair psychological profile 
what are the factors you need to be an, uh, an umpire, like good and bad? What do you think makes an umpire? I would say like generally like um, uh, a sense of authority. Mm-hmm. I would say a sense of theater, like okay. knowing how to kind of keep it entertaining, obviously f- fitness, but I also think attitude because you're on the ground with a bunch of fucking like alpha males and stuff. You need someone who's going to be able to give it back and is not going to be intimidated. Oh uh, yeah, I agree with that. I would say number one, one that you didn't mention, I would say decision making. I reckon the best umpires are all the best decision makers. Like it's the number one thing of your job is the ability to in high pressure situations make the correct decisions. Then I would say pretty much all the other things you've said, you know, you, you need all of those things. And I think it is that sort of authority of like there was one on the weekend where I think it might have been, I can't remember, if it was, I watched a bit of footy on the weekend, it's all blurred in a little, but it might have been the Pickin incident in the Bulldogs-Sydney game where he kind of backed off and then the umpire kind of punched, uh, Mills I think it was for Sydney, punched it through and they paid a free kick the other way because he wasn't under enough pressure. And it was one of those moments where on first glance you were like, oh, maybe that's a mistake. But then you saw it and you're like, oh, no. And they said it's the correct decision afterwards. But mm. in that moment, there was a flare-up. I think it was that moment, but it was certainly a moment like that where the umpire said this. He goes, all right, guys, all right, guys, we'll sort it out later. And then they all just moved on. And mm. I was just like, that was brilliant because you're not going to sort it out later. Yeah. Like There's not like another time in the game you're going <laughs> to stop it down and go, okay, let's go back and we'll work out what happened back there. You have just said we'll sort it out later, which by which you mean... They'll talk about it in the papers on Tuesday, but I, we are not going on with this now. Well, you know what it speaks to, Will? It speaks to the respect you have for an umpire. And I, for one, respect those gutless maggots. Those gutless, <laughs> game-stealing maggots. They murdered us on the weekend, Will. It was bloody criminal what they did. Um, I did feel it, a little bit It's funny bit that, that attitude, isn't it? Because I don't know what you've ever been like, but I've, I've said this a million times is the fact that I just don't care about the umpires. As in, oh. like, I think I think that we sh- should respect them and pay them well and blah, 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 because they are very important to us being able to play the game that we like being played. But this is an impossible game to officiate. There are a million different rules. They're all based on interpretations. You're sending people out there to make high-pressure snap decisions about things that aren't you know, clearly defined. You know, A lot of the time they have to use their, particularly with the new sort of deliberate interpretation, they're really having to use their judgment. Mm. If they get it good enough most of the time, I reckon it evens out most of the time as well. I never know which umpire is which. I never know if someone's given us a hard game. I can't tell in most games you know, where the free kicks are going too far one way or the other. I just feel like it's one of those things of like, we need the umpires, respect the umpires, See, who cares a, about it, the umpires. That's a, that's a culture of different clubs. I mean, personally, I'm like you, I don't really care. But growing up in a, in a St Kilda community, yeah. there is a real persecution complex. Like, I'm, I could go to... Uh, I could go to Sensational now. You know what, Michael, can you go to sensational.com and find a heading? I guarantee there'll be one heading complaining about the umpires... And within that thread, I'm sure there'll be a report about how this always happens and then they'll name a game from like, you know, it was like in 94 in Sydney when blah, 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 we never get free kicks. So there's an entire culture of, um, you know, self-loathing and denialism <laughs> that's established. Well, also, you, it, it's our confirmation bias in our brains. You remember the things that support the position you already believe in. So Segilda fans will remember all of the games where the umpires did crucify them, but every team has a, a game where um, yeah, it crucified them, and you don't remember any of the ones where you got the best side of it. 
Like, that's just the way our brains work. But it probably all evens out pretty much over the years. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, like, I remember there was a game, because, you know, when St. Kilda used to lose all the time, where we beat Carlton, a rare, uh, 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 well, we were beating Carlton, and it was at Princess Park. And there was just a bunch, there was an umpire, I think his name was Ian Clayton, and there was a bunch of decisions in the last quarter, like, you know, no hands at the back against John Doherty, on Stewie Lowe, you know, uh, no holding the ball decision on Stephen Kernahan, and they came back and they won. And I was so angry. I spent the whole, next day I got the paper and I went straight down the, the stats column to the free kick count. It was something like, you know, 24-8. And I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. I knew I was going to cop it at school on Monday from all the blue supporters. So I cut out the stats sheet and highlighted the free kick count. And I went in armed. And as soon as I stepped on the carriage and all the blues guys started up, I was like, fucking look at that. Look at that. That is not a fair contest. We, we had that song and I fucking argued for an hour on the train to get to, on the way to school that we were You've brought evidence in. You're a young lawyer. You were really yeah. dogged to pursue your point. You've come in. It's laminated. You call it Exhibit A. Here we go. All right. Uh, Mike Hell's found something from Saint Sational. Um, here we go. Uh, Re Saints fans fuming over free kick count. Uh, Con, I won't say his last name, although he's posted on the internet, so I probably could, but let's just go with Con. Uh, he says, I am sick of being bent over by City Hall and copying it meekly. <laughs> um, I don't think he's actually talking about the game. I think, he's in, I think he's in... This umpire's out of order and this whole game is out of order. He's in serious trouble. I think he's actually, that's a cry for help. He's actually at City Hall. He's running on his phone right now. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, please, guys, help me. I'm trapped inside please City Please help Hall me. I'm not talking I'm about football. by a city official. <laughs> I just opened the first thread I could get my hands on. <laughs> my phone opens this immediately, but I'm in a lot of trouble. Please help. Also, we were murdered by the umpires on the weekend. Oh, I'm being murdered, too. All right. So should we move on to the first game of round two? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, talk about the first game. Did you watch this game? This was Richmond who beat Collingwood no, on watched, Thursday night. I watched the highlights, but uh, everything's going according to script for Richmond. Now, by the way, I, I didn't actually have a look at this because I, I must admit I've been pretty busy with the comedy festival and stuff, but I'm starting to think about this. Is there a chance that we picked eight out of eight in our tips? Or nine no, out of I mean, nine? Nine out of nine? I would have... I would have, what do you mean? Did you pick the Saints? Of course, I always pick the Saints. I didn't, I don't think I, I didn't know. You know what? I don't think anything I said sounded like I was tipping the Saints, but I was tipping them. Yeah, I think I might have picked nine out of nine. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's one, but I reckon I got it. I I may have gone a clean sweep on my tips this week after a disastrous start. The Tyrone Vickery Free Tigers. Tyrone, how's this? So Tyrone Vickery goes to Richmond. They win two in a row. He leaves, no, sorry, he, they win two in a row. He gets to Hawthorne and they lose two in a row. Yep. It's like the curse has the been vic- passed. It's the Vickery curse. The Vickery curse. It's like curse. the new Kennet curse. It's yeah. the Vickery curse. That's, it's, you know what it's like with Hawthorne? They've had to weight them like a racehorse. Yeah. You know, if a, like if a weight a racehorse is getting ready for a race and they keep winning by too much. They handicap them. Yeah. That's what they've done. They've handicapped Hawthorne. So Tyrone Vickery has handicapped Hawthorne? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That is what I'm saying. He is like a caravan that they have to pull along, some dead weight. He's like one of those tires they put around their waists when they run up sand dunes in preseason training. He's right. like the little guy who the big guy carried around in Mad Max uh, Thunderdome. Yeah. He's, what I'm saying is... He's, they are he's, a Yingo Montoya who would 
sword fight left-handed when actually he was right-handed, just to make right. it a little oh. bit harder. Imagine if Vickery is doing it in Inigo Montoya, though. Yeah. Imagine if this is a long con by yeah. Vickery, like a, a rope-a-dope, if you, if you like, like a four- or five-year rope-a-dope, yeah. and then like he sits on it for a while, and Hawthorne are like, Vickery's like, we've lost two. Can I unleash the Vickery? And they're like, hold it, hold it. <laughs> Will, are you suggesting some Vickery trickery? Oh, yeah, that's what I am. Well, he reveals, my, t- no, my name is not Tyrone Vickery, it's a Virone Trickery. <laughs> and then he becomes an awesome <laughs> footballer. My God, Virone Trickery. He's the bizarro world Tyrone Vickery. He oshes it. He changes his name one day, or Gary Buddha hockings it when he uh, changed his name to Whiskers. <laughs> And um, he comes back and they go, in AFL News this week, uh, Tyrone Vickery has changed his name to Virone Trickery. Trickery. (laughs) (laughs) Virone Trickery is the sleaziest, Vegas magician. He's got like long, greasy, stringy hair. He wears like a black silk shirt open to his stomach, got like a chest tattoo. You can't tell me that you can't see Tyrone Vickery in that look. (laughs) Virone Trickery, you know? Yeah, but I mean, when he becomes Virone Trickery, he's still the same guy. He's still got the same look. You can imagine just cloaking up. Yeah, if you just oiled up his hair, he could look like the lead singer of Creed. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's getting paid $750,000 a year for the next three years, so he's doing fine. He can put up with our mockery. (laughs) Virone Trickery. (laughs) So, what did you think of the Tigers? <laughs> you know, they were all right. I thought they were all right. I don't think either of these teams are that good, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of those things where Richmond is setting themselves up to be perfectly Richmondy. You know, it's going along nicely, but you can see where the fall's going to come from. Do uh, you? Dustin Martin, have you, have you, have obviously. You already, have you already picked it? Are you saying grand final? Uh, at Richmond in the grand yeah. final? Yeah, so you, so, you can say, you can, so you can see where it's going, but have you picked a moment in the season? Have you sort of... Have you looked into your crystal oh. ball? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I reckon we're not that far away. No, really. I reckon it's just, yeah, I reckon another two or three weeks of hope building. <laughs> because the great thing about Richmond is you don't have to steadily build the hope. The great thing about Richmond is they're like Guy Pierce in Memento. They wake up every day and they forgot the horrible past <laughs> that they've left behind. Yeah. All they have is records of it that they've written up their arm, like yeah. Kevin Bartlett. Well, that's what, like that's that. what Dusty Martin has on his arm. It's, they're not tattoos. Right. It's just reminders of all their losses. <laughs> He's like, holy he shit, up. we've been leading Carlton for two different final series in a row and lost at three-quarter time. Hang on, one year we lost to a team that came ninth that year in the finals. <laughs> oh, he wakes up every day, reads his own arms. There was a man they called Richo. He could kick him on any, from any angle apart from directly in front when we really needed it. Uh, so yes, um, I think Richmond will go okay for a little while longer, but uh, I don't think Collingwood are much good. They're, they have a crack, but they're not much good. This was a bit of a nothing game to me. Trent Cotchin played really well, which was great, and yeah. Martin's hurt his cheekbone or something or eye socket, so he he might have to play in a helmet this week. Which uh, seeing terrifying. Dusty in a helmet will be one of yeah the most terrifying sights. <laughs> I uh, wonder if Collingwood have a fairly average season for the first say you know. 10 rounds or whatever, and then have a barnstorming finish and just miss out on the finals, 
will they keep Buckley? No. In that specific scenario, even if that, they have to make finals. I'll tell you who loves re- ringing up the newspapers and giving them quotes. Uh, members of the Cloak family. No. So the back couple of pages of the papers here this morning in Melbourne are David Cloak, who's just come out and given Buckley the biggest spray about like, you know, you ruined my son's career and look how good he is now that he has a decent coach and you're shit and you're going to ruin Darcy Moore's career and oh like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ah, uh, must be fun to be the coach of Collingwood, don't you reckon? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it'd be, it'd be the intellectual discourse. I'd, I'd be interested to see Nathan Buckley's top five, top, top five list of the cloaks he hates in order. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that would be a constantly swapping list. It would, wouldn't it? Jason Cloak fucking piped up the other day. That family hates the media. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think that Richmond will also have a fall. I'm wondering if they can go a bit further. You're saying you think it's next two weeks. I no, I reckon if... two more wins. I haven't seen their, who they're playing, but I reckon they've got another two or three weeks of good grace and then it's all going to fall apart. Mm, see, I reckon we're going to get a bit more of a leg up. I think they're going to have a, an, ex, an unexpected, exciting victory. I don't know who they're playing either. This is, I'm just going off the vibe. Yeah. Um, but I reckon they As could... we always do on this podcast. You know what? Richmond could have North Melbourne's year from last year, but not make finals. So you know how North Melbourne, you know, we're on top of the ladder halfway through the season and everyone's like... <laughs> I don't believe this for a second. I could see Richmond having that kind of year. Right. Richmond have West Coast next week. Do you reassess your opinion? Uh, in Subiaco or here? Who cares? I reckon here they'll beat them. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's Richmond and Collingwood. We'll talk more about that as it goes on, I suppose. Um, the second game was the Western Bulldogs uh, versus Sydney on Friday night. And this was a... This was a good game of football. I must admit that I um, I had had tried to see if I could get down to Eddie Had for the unfurling of the flag. Uh, the club had offered me to kind of, they said you can come into the medallion club and just see the flag unfurled and then go down to your show if you wanted. But it was opening night and I was like, you know what? It's going to be a real rush. It's my opening night of my show. I should do the right thing. So I just stayed uh, in the apartment here and watched it on the telly. And then I must admit, I was a bit overwhelmed at how emotional it was and I kind of wish I had been there for it. Like when they had all the kind of past club legends out there Mm. like holding the flag and stuff and they raised it up and the crowd went wild. It was really one of those moments where you're like, oh, I didn't realise this was going to be quite as awesome it is this except the only thing i love is they had the lid on you know the roof on at etihad so of course you can't fly a flag because there is no breeze in there because you have a roof on the stadium so they had to have a piece of string that Shake someone it. was just holding up the end to make it look like it was flying i thought it was a, a beautiful ceremony i thought it was a bit unnecessary um at the end when they brought out that burning barrel and took that photo of all of us from your 40th and threw it into the burning barrel I mean, that was weird, yeah. I thought that was a bit harsh on you. And then getting like, and then getting like Libula Senior to come out and then like piss on the ashes. I'm like, all right, get the, I get the message. No longer the happiest day of his life. You're overseas, so we thought you wouldn't see that, (laughs) to be honest. So it's embarrassing to me. It's embarrassing to the club. We're sorry. We got ahead of ourselves. Um, the players came out and watched it, which was cool, but I think it probably, like they had a bad start to the game, the Bulldogs. They really weren't there. The Swans smashed us in the first quarter. And I wonder if part of that was there was, you know, all this shit going on before the game that probably would have, if you're a player, probably would have, you know, got in the way of your preparation. But um, this was a good game of football. Like mm. neither of these clubs were 100% at their best. 
but it was one of the best games of football I've watched in ages. It was so yeah. entertaining. I yeah. mean, it was one of those ones where, like, Sam Reed, for example, played the best game I've ever seen him play, and he looked amazing. He was a good example of me in the intros, Sam Reed. Like, you know, you've, you've seen him occasionally nail it, but I, you just worry that next week he'll go back to not really remembering how to play football. But if he can continue at that level, he's going to be amazing and, and that a few And that a few outs as well, Sydney. Yeah, taking and Buddy was fantastic. I mean, fucking hell. Like, Jeez, he's a good footballer. Just, like, I mean, is he the most exciting player to watch going for goal? Because, like, you just don't know what he's going to do. Like, if he's outside, if he's 80 metres out, like, you back him, right? I think, you know what he is? To me, he is a bit like a Gary Ablett Senior in that just when they have the ball, they look like they're playing a completely different yeah, game totally. to anybody else. He's you know, Krypton. they just look like, well, you know, they also remit, no, they always look a bit like, you know, you always find it around under 12s, under 13s, yeah. where there's some kid who's had a really, really big growth, growth spurt, spurt and they're just monstering the other kids. That's what Buddy always looks like. And mm. that's what Gary Ablett Senior at his best looked like. Those guys who you just go, oh, I, I, I mean, you, how, how can you get near him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's amazing to watch. But the Bulldogs were good too. Yeah. Like, you know, Bonson Pally had another good game. He only had nine touches in the first half, but he could, he had 30 by the end and kicked two goals. You've seen and, that vision of um, um, little uh, pick in your pocket. Uh, start the, that yeah. play that to get Bont the ball at the end. He starts in the back line and runs all the way to receive it outside the 50. Like, that was just he, incredible. That was like fucking Nick Revolt style running. Mate, Pickin is such a great example of the, the what Luke Beveridge brought to that club, right? Pickin, we'd always loved him. Bulldogs fans had always loved Pickin, but he was literally a tagger. He was your dour tagger, shut down, big-hearted, but, you know, no no real skill. His only <laughs> skill was to shut down other people. And Bevo came in and went, ah, oh, yeah, I reckon you could just be like a gun midfielder. Do you want to do that instead? Take high-flying marks, be the best player in our AFL final series? What about that? Take hangers all the time. Run down one end and then help kick goals down the other end. I reckon you'd be better at that. And he was like, yeah, I reckon I would be too. He's so good. He's such a pleasure to watch. Like, you know, such a good player. But they were, they were good, the Bulldogs. I was actually really happy with that game. They... When I was watching it, there was a few times where I was like, oh, they're a different team to last year. Mm, like last year, definitely. they were really the like, the what Port Adelaide are doing at the moment. That's what I felt like we were last year, which is just unbridled enthusiasm, hard running, mm. you know, in, pretty much entire forward momentum. You know, really the whole idea is just to keep it going. But the Bulldogs aren't playing like that at the moment. Yeah. They're playing a bit more Hawthorne y, yeah. where, you know, Tempo. they're willing to slow it down or they. Always just have that impression of like, yeah, they kicked a couple of goals, but we're pretty confident that. And I mean, Stringer is playing so much better now that Cloak's there and Cloak's running hard and leading. I really enjoyed this game. It made me feel very optimistic about this season. Like, 100%. this was the one, the first game, the Collingwood game, I was like, I don't reckon Collingwood are that good and we were a bit all over the place, but. We showed a few things in this match where I was like, ah, this might be fun. I don't think anyone would have begrudged the Bulldogs having a slow start. Like, I think you guys have come on really early and stuff, but I agree, you you look mature. Like, you're ahead of schedule last year, but it's not like you're suddenly um, not handling the stress. I mean, two big games, like even if Collingwood aren't in the best shape and Sydney had some outs, they're both like, you know, big events, big, uh, you know, Friday night games. 
Well, the the last week's game, the Collingwood game, was only the second time in a hundred years that we had won a home and away match in front of more than fifty five thousand people. So not a great res- not a great record in those games. <laughs> um, I don't worry about Sydney, do you? Like a lot of people have, no. uh, have been talking about Sydney and Hawthorne and going like, oh, but I don't know. I mean, Sydney uh, will be good. Yeah, Sydney are already good, and they've they've only got upside. They They're bring, missing a whole. Bu- they bring out that stat. They're like. Well, traditionally, you know, the premiers have never come from, you know, 0 and 2 and, and won the flag. It's like, Bulldogs won it from fucking seventh last year right. outside the four. Like, the rules have changed. Anything could fucking happen. Yeah, all bets are off in that regard. I think that's just about six or seven weeks in, you can start to get a feel for it. But Sydney were good. And Sydney could have won that game on Friday night. And again, Sydney did get, yet again, like the worst calls from the umpires, I thought, in that Friday night game as well, like they did in the grand final. I mean, mm. I'm biased because obviously the Bulldogs are favoured in that regard. But I was looking at a stat this week that two years ago, before Bevo, we had a pretty much a 50-50 split differential on free kicks. And now because of the way it's gone, we've got the best free kick differential at the moment, the Bulldogs. But I think it's a lot because of the way we play. Yeah, and like the it's, way... And, it's a lot because... And, and the diving and the ducking of the head. Well, we don't duck our heads. Occasionally they <laughs> throw them, but like occasionally, <laughs> occasionally some of those hand passes are pretty slick. Well, but, that's, a, I think that's, a, but I think that's the frustration St Kilda fans had on the weekend is that we play high pressure football and we felt like, well, we're the ones initiating the play, but we're not getting protected. We're just getting penalized. Yeah. I mean, Richo came out and said there was some sloppiness responsible for that, but I think, you know, you don't want to be, umpires should not, should not be punishing teams for being playmakers. You know? No, I agree. No, I mean, I agree with that also. Like, I do think that the person who goes and gets the ball should be the person who is rewarded most of the time. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, move on from that game. But that was that was a fun game for the Bulldogs. So <laughs> I was happy, happy, happy. Um, glad, that, glad that Bevo's coming to the show in a good mood, basically. Yeah. That's all I cared about. I just wanted Bevo to be in a good mood when he came to the show. Uh, so the next game was Adelaide versus Hawthorne over at Footbridge Stadium. Um, now, I'm surprised that our producer, Mike Howell, actually put this one up on the screen because as a uh, this is his first year as a Hawthorne member and uh, I have seen a, a few people online uh, pointing out to him that they've had the 0-2 and two start and uh, rubbing it in a little. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I think Adelaide is so impressive. Like, to lose Jenkins and then come back the way they did and Eddie Betts just does what Eddie Betts does and Tex is back and Sloan. I mean, there's just a lot to like about them. They're very, they, they just, they seem a very well-balanced team. Like they have all the tools. I don't know. I can't sort of see what's holding them back necessarily. No, no, no. They look red hot Adelaide. I think if you're an Adelaide fan, there's so much to like too. They're really mm. entertaining. Like this is an Adelaide team a little unlike the previous Adelaide teams where I think traditionally Adelaide teams you kind of hate them a bit like you hate mm. West Coast teams. They have crowbots, that attitude mate. of the... Bloody crowbots. Right. But man, as, like I love watching Adelaide. I mm. want, At the moment, if there's an Adelaide game on, I just will sit down and watch it. Eddie Betts, Tex. I mean, poor old Josh Jenkins, who looked like he had a punctured lung or a broken rib and then turned out that he didn't have yeah. anything. Did you see that story? No. Got, went to a hospital in the ambulance mid-game because he's crashed down, so they assume he's like broken ribs and punctured his lung. Then they've done all the tests, no puncture, no broken ribs. They, they thought, oh, maybe he's ruptured his spleen or something. They've done those tests, nothing. Don't you reckon at that point, when you're someone who's had to go to hospital in an ambulance, 
and you know that you are in a football club with like 30 men who are going to mercilessly hang shit on you for the next of the rest of the week. Wouldn't you just say to the doctor, I'll give you a hundred, punch me in the chest, break my fucking ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I am not coming out of this hospital. I'm six foot eight. I fell over. I made them take me to a hospital in an ambulance because I was winded or something. Break my fucking ribs. How do you feel about Hawthorne? Uh, I don't know. It's the <clears throat> I can't I can't get a read on them. I think that they're not in decline, but they may be plateauing around the bottom. I think they can make the finals. I'm not worried about them tumbling out. It's just I don't know. They seem well. It seems like they've lost their two best midfielders. <laughs> yeah, but that can't be the whole problem, can it? Because like. Mitchell and O'Meara got 38 and 37 touches each or something. Tommy Mitchell's the leading disposal winner in the AFL this season. Mm. I mean, there's a difference in the way they use their disposals. I saw a breakdown of the difference between how much Jordan Lewis and Sam Mitchell kick as opposed to O'Meara and Mitchell, Tom Mitchell. Mm. So a lot more of their possessions are handballs, whereas like Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis set up with like longer kicks and kicks. So I guess that's a difference. But surely it's got to be about the players around them more than it is about those two, if those two are racking up those sort of numbers. I guess so. I mean, I just can't get a vibe on them because they, feel, they, they started last year really slow as well. Remember, like everyone yeah. sort of wrote them off last year. Well, the, But they also won like 10 games last year by... Like tiny margins or something yeah. ridiculous. They yeah. just got it done. They got close enough and were good enough to still get it done. It's whether they'll be good enough this year to be close enough to then get it done. Are they old man Logan? Yeah, I think there's like, like there's some there's some good battles left in them. Yeah, but we know it's closer towards the end. <laughs> and now they've brought in the new characters. Yeah, who are going to take over the franchise? Diego Mara has got two spikes in each yeah. hand. Right. <laughs> X twenty three. They call him. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think what their thing is, they've got a couple of older players that probably will not play in their next premiership. And so they're probably going to have that period where they rebuild around O'Meara and Mitchell. But I think when you look at those two and their ages and the numbers they're already doing, if they can get more effective in using those disposals as well as getting them, you've got to think that Hawthorne can build a team around them with Clarkson's knowledge and the fact that they still have a whole bunch of really special players. Well, Clarko still reckons they can win the flag. He said they've got a premiership list. Yeah, he said they've got a premiership list, but I, I watched that press conference and it seemed like he was saying, I think this list of players can get us a premiership. Maybe not this year. Yeah. But I reckon <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Alison? Uh uh, I said, I reckon this list of players can get us a premiership. Maybe not this year. Yeah, no, so we hear the first part, but you're saying something kind of like under your breath at the end. What, I don't that? think I am. No, I said, I think this list can uh, win us a premiership. Maybe not this year. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, are you crying? Maybe not this year. <laughs> yeah. Alistair Clarkson was taken to hospital today. <laughs> <laughs> With nothing wrong with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Adelaide are great. Hawthorne, jury's still out, I reckon. I'm, yeah, I I'm not. I picked them in my eight, and I'm not willing to say that they still won't make the eight at this stage. Okay. I agree with that. Um, all right. The spotless, next game was uh, GWS versus the Gold Coast. Yeah. Now, we sort of predicted this. I seem to remember us discussing yeah. that, you know, I just didn't... Geez, they look bad. I mean... I mean, fuck, what a basket case. What do you do? Ed's at the end of his contract. Gary wants to leave. None of their stars have come on. 
They've got fucking low crowds. I mean, who's who's going to want that poison chalice? Ross Lyon. I mean, that's who. The, there were. I mean, I guess this is the solution, right? This is when you start to go. Well, Frio need to get rid of Ross Lyon. Ross Lyon probably wants another coaching job. You know, that's probably the only thing you could do is send Ross Lyon up there. But do you really? Is Ross Lyon a? T- he's not a rebuilder. That's the problem at Fremantle. That he's you're not rebuilding. Are you really going to send him to the Gold Coast where he's just going to be the same? I don't think so. I don't think that is the solution. They've got one of those old school coaches already. They need a well. Who fucking knows what they need? Like they are a basket case. I picked them to improve a little bit this year, and I don't think they will. I think they're terrible. Like half of them don't even have a fucking go. That's the problem. Mm. Like they really just for most of the game. I watched this game because it was like watching a training drill. Like GWS are really good to watch against teams. Where well, the other shit. teams are just witches hat. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking great. Like Toby Green. How arrogant Toby Green is Like just... how many fend offs did you see where literally like even Dylan Shear would just like fend someone off, just hold onto the ball, look look around five or four or five seconds to find an option, no pressure. Mate, they fend each other off in high five celebrations after <laughs> goals. Never met a cockier fucking team in your life, but geez, they're good to watch. Like, I mean, they're just they smash teams like Cameron and um, you know, the, the, all these guys are just brilliant footballers. Like, I mean, Scully, what a great player he has turned into, you know, and like, I just think they, they have this incredible depth, like, you know, running start to finish, you know, but Gold Coast are hopeless. So it was, it really, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights of the game, but um, they were playing at Spotless and the Sydney show's about to be on. Mm. And so... Spotless gets used for some sort of like man from snowy river horse sort of like exhibition, right? So because there was no crowd there and because obviously they're setting up for the show, there was like one whole pocket where if the ball went up there, it was like all these kind of lumps and outback stuff and rocks and shit they'd put in like for this man of man for snowy river thing. And apparently at halftime, someone came out and rode a horse around it. And then, like, at one stage, like, someone kicked the footy up there and this poor female security guard had to, like, climb up all these weird, Hay like, bales. pretend rocks to go and get, like, the footy. I was like, yeah, this is the best team and the worst team of the competition playing each other. But, I mean, the, you'd be disappointed with GWS that they can't get more than 8,000 people to a game, though. That's still... When your team is this good... I know they've got 18,000 members this year, but and I know they're playing a terrible team, but, man... If I buried for GWS and I knew they were playing Gold Coast, I'd fucking be lining up there to make sure I did not miss one minute of it. Yeah. That's a good day out of the footy. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like barracking for the fucking Harlem Globetrotters on that day. You know the generals aren't probably going to have a surprise win. Everything's going to be fine. Well, what do you do, though, in all seriousness, with Gold Coast? They've sunk, say, like $100 million into getting this club up. And if it's not like... I mean, it's a business in the end. Like, if they don't get... People going into the turnstiles and they lose sponsors and stuff. Who's, I mean, do you send, you remember in the 90s when Sydney was flailing and they said, we've got to send like a big football personality up there and they sent Ron Barassi and he basically coached that team for four years where they couldn't win a fucking game, but it was what he was doing, publicizing them and getting out there and being like a face of AFL and, do you reckon that uh, they... Well, I mean, you, you've got to give Kevin Sheedy some credit for what he did at GWS. Yeah, GWS. I mean, I know there was a bit, there was a bit of mockery at the time, but Sheedy just got up there and made sure he was in the newspapers every day and mm. made sure that everybody knew that GWS were a thing and it gave them a figurehead. Even though everyone knew that Sheedy wasn't going to be the coach that coached them in the modern day game and got them I, I ready. Got, I got a solution. Dane Swan. Okay. You send Dane Swan to the Gold Coast. What could go wrong? 
I just feel like that may not be the influence they need. <laughs> they already said Carmichael Hunt. Maybe they need to bring Carmichael Hunt back. They have to reverse the Hunt curse. Oh, that that's a tricky sentence. <laughs> Um, um, next game yeah, up is the, love, the Bombers yeah. uh, against the Brisbane Lions. And you know what? I like Brisbane this year. I like the way they play. They actually really pushed the Bombers. They could have won it. Just a, a couple of like brain fades. It's actually a pretty good game. Well, this is the example, I guess, of where you hope that Gold Coast could go. And I think th- this is why I think that their next coach has got to be one of those people. Much like Richo was... You know, much like um, uh, the the Brisbane coach is a uh, bit like bit like Don Pike, you know, and junior, Adelaide one junior, of these guys, junior development guys, yeah, guys who have been in the system, guys who are great with managing teams and great with. I mean, Brendan Bolton's a good example. Like you know, Carlton for all that they're not going to be a great team this year. I've watched both the Carlton games, and at times in those games, you know, they have a real fucking crack. They're not giving up. You know, you need one of those coaches for Gold Coast because Gold Coast didn't play like that at all. Isn't that what Rocket is? I mean... I think it's gone for Rocket. I think Rocket's time's over. Yeah, 100%. I've been saying that for a year, but it's more like he was a motivator. Was it just a generation thing? Like when he was coaching the Swans and then the Bulldogs, like he got the most out of a Bulldogs list that a lot of people thought wasn't, you know, uh, grand final worthy. He got you guys into two prelims. But he was known as being terrifying. Like, you hear right. Luke Darcy and guys like that talk about the sprays that he gave them. And, like, you know, he was a... But that era's over. The millennials don't want to be coached like that. That That's not how they want to be communicated to. You yeah. know, they want to they want to cuddle. They want to hug. They want a coach who's going to read him Dr. Seuss and cut his own hair and skateboard. Does he skateboard as well? Don't send Bevo. Don't send Bevo. <laughs> oh, yeah, he skates, skateboards. Oh, my God. Well. He's yeah. fucking poochy. <laughs> He just rolls up to training on his skateboard and is like, hey, dudes, what's my spacing? <laughs> I'm Bevo. I'll rap for you. Boom, ba, ba, ba. Boom, ba, 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 ba. My name is Bevo, and this is my rap. Lift up my shirt, give my tummy a tap. <laughs> They're just like, oh, my God, Bevo. We know you're good relating to kids, but stop it. Yeah, so I think they need somebody like that. They need like a, you know, they need someone who's going to be a, you know, Simon Goodwin, someone who's going to come in. So I reckon they need the Rusey Goodwin sort of double. That's what you probably need. You probably need someone up there who's a high profile. I mean, if they could get Rusey, that'd be, your, I guess, your, you send Rusey on another rescue mission. I, you know, you put him in the... Yeah. You say, Rusey, do what you did to Melbourne. But go that's up what, to Gold Coast that's, and do that. That's what I was saying. Like, I think you need... It's not enough to get a good young millennial coach. You need to get a face, like a trusted... You know, yep. Hall of Fame face of the AFL up there in a advisorial capacity. Like even bring Malcolm Blight out of retirement. You know, he didn't want to do it at St Kilda, but he lives on the Gold Coast. He might have a bit more incentive. Yeah, but I reckon Blight is still is a bit emblemic of. Yeah, I don't think you want. Blight well, he's insane for a start. And, like, have you ever heard his yeah. commentary? I don't see, it doesn't even I mean, commentate anymore. But like, he used to. Can you imagine a business meeting between Tony Cochran and Malcolm Blight just babbling at each other? Non sequiturs. Like, the Boosh? What the fuck is going on? This <laughs> is the Mighty Boosh. It would be so hilarious. Oh my god, he doesn't commentate anymore, does he? I just I've forgotten about uh, how bad, how much I used to hate Malcolm Blight's commentary, where he would get so fixated on something that the rest of the commentary team could not move on because Malcolm had to make a point about the drop of the ball. Like it's just it's just silly the way they drop it. All right, Malcolm. Oh no, yeah, it's just it's, silly. He's it's just, one. He's one of those guys where basically um, 
there's just a little bit sort of like you know you know what Malcolm Blight would have made a good uh, one of those TV detectives who's a bit unconventional. Yeah, you know, sort of your Law and Order, you know, Columbo. type where he's like, you know, he's yeah, Columbo. exactly. That, that's what. I imagine that Malcolm Blight used to leave the team meetings yeah. and they thought it was over yeah. and then he'd just come back and go, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. I don't give a rat's toss bag what St Kilda thinks about me. <laughs> Do you remember when he dropped that line? He, he did they, yeah. there was some interview about his um, sacking from St Kilda and he responded on air that night by saying he didn't give a rat's toss bag. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the greatest of all time. A rat's toss bag. I mean... <laughs> Even the term toss bag, yeah. to be honest, because he kind of got out on rat's toss, but he's gone with rat's toss bag, which is like... Rat's toss bag and Viron Triggery uh, doing a show <laughs> at the Palms this this weekend. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next... Oh, okay. Well, uh, the, uh, Brisbane, really competitive. I think if you're a Brisbane fan, a lot to like. Some of their, you know, uh, good players are getting an opportunity to play well, and I think their style's much better. Um, still probably not going to win a heap of games, but, but are going to be much more competitive. And I think if you're a Brisbane fan, you've got to like that. And Essendon, I think you're just still going to be pretty happy with yep. Essendon. Like, you know, re- looks really good. Joe Watson had a... Cracking game, all your Danaher, players. Um, Horatio Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah. He's got to be the best guy, name in the game now, right? Horatio yeah. Van- Fantasia. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. He's going like, on he's tour to... with Viron Trickery. <laughs> Trickery. Yeah. And also also starring Horatio Fantasia. <laughs> it's a double bill. It's kind of like the prestige. They're yeah. two magicians that are competing against each other. Yeah, with Rats one of them's with good, Rats, Rats and one of them's overrated. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Essendon, you've got to be very happy with how this season has gone. So oh, far. yeah, no, and fucking Danaher's kicking straight and just taking regulation hangers. Like, he's going to take mark of the year, isn't he? Like, he just... He he's like that has that physique like um who was the Birdman Burton from Adelaide you know those tall rangy yeah. like Fletch used to do the same thing they're just giant bloody springs when they go for a hanger they're already standing like six five he's he, you know what he is he's great at kicking goals outside fifty like he feels like he's one of those classic footballers that when he doesn't think about it and he kicks through it he actually kicks really well it's when he gets you know, inside and a bit closer. But I think there's another adjustment in his game, Charlie, and maybe I was deceived by my eyes on the weekend. But I don't know if you saw much of him or saw much of him up close. I know you're overseas, so you mightn't have. But I feel like his head's not as small as it used to be. I feel like his head's more in proportion with the rest of his body. And I just feel like maybe over the off-season, they've put some serious head work in. You know, like, you know how sometimes they say a player's put on a few kilos? I reckon he's put on a couple, but, you know, above the shoulders. Michael, can you please bring up a recent photo of uh, Danaher? I don't, um, I don't think I I mean, I I'm ha- not doing any measurements, but it just felt to me, I was studying it quite closely, and I was like, I reckon his head doesn't look as shrunken this year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice it looking any bigger. I mean, he still mm. seems like a small head, but he did take that grab. So maybe I was just dazzled by the actual... I wasn't looking at his head. I was looking at the actual... Take, While Michael mark. is uh, looking this up, we should mention uh, Poppy's mark. Did you see Paul Apollo's yeah. mark? Yeah. That was... An, like, because he... The, the last time I, I saw an Italian that. jump that high was Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> is he Italian? I don't know. That's probably really racist. Uh, if he's not, 
Yeah, don't you reckon? There's a picture of him. I, yeah, I assume from this the weekend. Is recent. Uh, feels like to me getting a little bit bigger. You're I mean, right. it's still small. I mean, but it looks I like his like shoulders. It's, gro- it's his shoulders of. I think his shoulders might be smaller. I don't think his head's oh, gotten maybe bigger. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, that makes more sense. He's, he's coming to the club. He's gone. Is there anything you can do to make my head bigger? And they go, well, let's work on I mean, the shoulders. We can call Danky again, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's work on the shoulders. I reckon we'll slim down your shoulders. That'll make your head look bigger naturally. I don't know. That photo Michael's found. I've got to admit, he's looking more in proportion. So maybe it's just like a late growth spurt. Like it's a, he's yeah. a tall bloke, so the growth spurt probably had to work its way all the way up to his skull. But yeah, maybe it's a bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, he looked good on the weekend. He was looked, yeah, and that poppy, uh, that poppy mark was unreal because what I loved was he a jumped. It would have been a good mark even just from his jump. He like has a massive jump, but then he just gets that perfect Lift. ride. Yeah, like and it was yeah, it was like it was really in poetry. I was like, that is a fucking great, great grab. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, all right, let's move on to Subiaco, uh, where West Coast ran over the Saints. Um, I was really happy with this game. To be honest, like I said last week, I just wanted to see an effort. And I think everything that they were not last week, they completely addressed. Um, I mean, we were killing them. I think we had like 13 shots on goal in the first quarter. And then they had only four. More, more scoring shots at the end of the game than Heaps they did more. as well. I mean, Heaps more, yeah. inaccuracy really killed you in the end. Yeah, but the midfield was really good. Like what happened last week is that we uh, started the first quarter and we just couldn't maintain it. And we pretty much maintained it even into the last quarter. But then, you know, Jack Steven punches his lung and... We just sort of slowed down the heat. I think it was like almost 30 degrees, but I'm okay with that. Like, you know, fuck. I, I sort of felt like we're not meant to win that game yet. I think it bodes well. It shows that the players can address problems, but, you know, I think we've, it's a good measure of where we're at. We just lost to a potential grand finalist on their home ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good sign for you guys. And I thought it was a good sign for the rest of the competition that I was like, oh, so West Coast aren't going to be unbeatable over there. Yeah. I mean, you, right. you got to, they, their big deficiency at the moment is their ruck. Who knows if they get Drew Petrie back, that might change. But, you know, we've got an... Inf- well, and Nick Nats are going to come back at some stage during Yeah, the season, but not to right? the second half of the year. Right. So if they can hold it together and, you know, and, and group together enough wins by the time he gets back, then fuck who knows. But yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the, I mean, their ruck division is the one thing that you'd say is they've got, you know, two 20 gamers in there or something. Or Vardy, how many did he play for Geelong? Not many. No, if any, scribe. So, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we talked a lot about that yeah. game. Well, we talked a bit about that the game earlier, kick. so let's move on. Geelong versus North Melbourne. Where now, this is one of those ones where uh, all mm. game, yeah, pretty much North Melbourne looked like they were going to win this. This uh, was a very Richmondy was, performance by North Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where I was a bit surprised that Geelong got there in the end. Uh, and to be honest, I was kind of barracking for North Melbourne, even though it was going to fuck up my tips. Uh, but, uh, because I have picked along outside the eight and they need to start losing some games if that's going to happen. <laughs> but it was one of those games where you're like, you don't really get a sense of either of these teams and where they're at from this game. I didn't think like they both look good, but yeah, you're not sure if good. they're both, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I think North played better than I thought. They could. I actually think they've got some players who are actually stepping up in the absence of all the retirements yep. they've had. So, you know, maybe not right North Melbourne off. Like, they could be thereabouts. You know, it depends what will happen when they get weight back and if they can just actually, you know, win some, put some together. Because both losses this year, even one against West Coast, they were in that game for three quarters. 
So I think that's a challenge for up and coming teams is playing four quarters. Like that, we, the Saints definitely struggle with that. Like you just sustain that level of pressure and, 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 um, tenacity for entire game is really hard. So North have got some younger players in there now. I'd like to know, what do you reckon their list is at in terms of average age? Would they be? Well, what they're doing now, which I think is like good is, like you said, Brad Scott got a lot of, um, shit at the end of the year for saying that part of the reason he was getting rid of those players was, if if they played this year, he would play them. And that kind of makes sense, right? Like if mm. you've got Boomer Harvey on your list and you've decided to, you'll play him every week, but it means that, that that kid who needs to get that game time so you can see whether he's good or not is just not going to get that sort of time. Yeah. And you can already see a few you know bright spots, I think, for North Melbourne where you're like, oh, actually, maybe you do have some of these newer players who are going to step up and be mm. good players. So, don't know, who, don't I don't know think, who any of them are or what their names are or anything, but yeah. Well, that's a very North Melbourne way. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know who half the team was last year. <laughs> North <laughs> Melbourne, we're in the witness relocation program. <laughs> and what about the Cats? I mean, basically, if Danger and Selwood decide they're going to win a game, then you're fucked. Right. But if you are able to shut them down, then they don't have necessarily a lot of other stuff going for them. So I still think we know as much about Geelong as we knew beforehand, which was their top end is elite, mm. but we're not quite sure about the rest of it. I heard um, something on a podcast that uh, a journalist saying that uh, they hate the term um, danger wood, that they, they're more than just danger wood. They think it's, they think it's belittling the club when people talk about danger wood. It's like, shut up. Like, stop complaining about like, dating the hottest girl in school and going, yeah, but she's actually really smart as well and she's really talented. Okay, we get that. We get that. But, but who else is as good as those guys? Yeah, it's exactly. Gonna, like, I mean, Tom, Tom Hawkins is good, but you're not going to be like, oh, Geelong, they're Danger Woodkins. <laughs> Who's going on tour later this year with Byron Trickery. <laughs> Danger Woodkins. <laughs> things, things of Stone and Danger Woodkins. Um, yeah, I mean, they've just got two super elite players. They've got some great other players, but... They've yeah, got two super elite. But I think it's also the idea that they're both in the engine room. It's a bit like Williams and Healy back in the 80s at the Swans. You're like two absolute yeah. superstars in the middle. Side by side, getting their work done. Like like um, Mitchell and uh, Lewis. Yeah. You know. When they were in the same team. <laughs> uh, well, the good news is for at least the next few weeks, they won't have to worry about Lewis because he punched someone and isn't going to be playing. Yeah, anyway. well, well, we'll get to that game. We'll get to that, yeah. Actually, bring up the next game, Mark Hall, if you can, which is Melbourne uh, defeated Carlton, 86-64. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. Jeez, that was an aggro Melbourne, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. I mean, firstly, I think it was that thing of, yeah, Carlton played very competitively. And again, I think if you're a Carlton fan, there's, you know, your next generation of players, you know, look like they're really good, um, you know, and they're having a crack. They're, they're not able to have a crack for four quarters, but they don't, you know, they don't, they try. Okay. So, all right, tell me this then. So you're Jesse Hogan or Jordan Lewis, and you're playing a bunch uh -huh. of kids, and because yeah. they can't match you in skill, they're being niggly and they're getting standing in front of you and side bump you and stuff. Like, do you punch them in the head? <laughs> like, or, no. don't you have, or don't you have the confidence of just being like, well, fuck, we're so much better than these guys. Like, I'm not going to get sucked into this kind of play. Yeah, it's bullying. <laughs> you can't punch them. Yeah. You're, you can let them punch you. Hey, footy is about punching up, not punching down. <laughs> like, you know, that's like hitting your servants. Very Melbourne attitude. You know, you can't beat your butler. Yeah, exactly. Just, he's having a go, mate. Look, 
Look at his coach. He's a tiny, enthusiastic person over there. They've got no good players, and he's having a go. Let him have his go. Do you think there's an element of, like, Melbourne are making a statement? Not like they went out there to hurt anyone, but they have been shit kickers for so long and pushed around and held so many terrible records and we were a joke of a team for so long that someone along the lines, whether it was Ruse or Goodwin, is like, no, you stand up for yourself. I'm, I'm pretty sure Paul Ruse is a big believer in flying the flag. Like, you have to make a statement. Yeah. You know, don't cross the lines, yeah. obviously, but you have to make a physical statement. Well, also, that was the Hawthorne way, though. Like, they were famous for that unsociable football, you know? Like, mm. you know, Hawthorne, that's the thing about that champion Hawthorne team is... You know, they weren't afraid to fucking have a snipe at you or sort you out behind the play or make sure that you knew it. Like, yeah. So maybe there is that sort of attitude of going, you have to still say, part of us becoming a great team is having that extra bit of, like, arrogance. Now, maybe I'm biased because I don't see it with the Bulldogs. I don't think they really are kind of playing with that sort of, you know, you don't see a lot of Bulldogs players, like, punching people. I mean, off the field, each other, sure. Mid-season. <laughs> that happens. But... <laughs> But it's been a while since one of our players kind of, you know, punched someone or sniped someone and got rubbed out. Well, I don't know if you saw the video, but before the Melbourne game on the weekend, um, they had a visit by WWF superstar Rick Martel, and he oh, pulled really? from his bag um, the last remaining can of arrogance, uh, the cologne oh, he used to wear right? on the way is to that, the ring. Is this true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rick the Model Martel, he went around the dressing room and he sprayed his fragrance, arrogance. Right. Apparently got them all fired up. Well, that I mean, that... That, that makes a lot of sense. The second most powerful I mean, uh, force in the universe besides Hulkamania, I believe. Rick Martell's arrogance. Do they test for arrogance on game day? That would be the only thing I'd be worried about. <laughs> uh, um, Melbourne looked all right, but I, you know, I don't quite know if they're necessarily... I mean, if they're going to uh, be a final eight side, they're still going to have to be better than they were on the weekend, I would have thought. Yeah, if they had lost that, it would have... It would have undone a lot of the goodwill of round one, but they did what they had was, to do, they, yeah. so that's fine. It's a stay of execution. But there was a while where they looked like they were going to lose it. Yeah, right. Yeah. There was definitely like a quarter and a half where I was like, oh, Melbourne could lose this here. So anyway, it'd uh, be interesting to see. And uh, the last game of the weekend, now this one, uh, Port Adelaide, 145, uh, Frio 56. Now this is a tale of two cities because Port... Well, at least, you know, two games into the season, look like the Port of Old. This is the Port that everyone expected to see for the last couple of years and it has been gone missing. They're hard-running, highly skilled. Ollie Wines, oh, man, like, so good to have him back, like, at the, the form he had. But just right across the board, they look fantastic, Port. And Frio are the complete and utter opposite. They look shit. Yeah. Do you feel a bit, like... I mean, I had such high hopes for Frio. I could totally could see them yeah. bouncing back. And then I was like, oh, Me no, too. I was wrong. Wrong. So like wrong. 2015, so wrong. 2015 might as well be 200 years ago. Like, they just look like a clapped out. I mean, I'm not the first person to point it out, but like Zach Dawson's still playing for them. I know. You know I mean, that, should be, it's, it's like, it's that like, should be the ambition at the start of the season is, please, this season, all we want to see from the guys yeah. is them getting to the point where Zach Dawson can't get picked. You know what it's like, Will? In the 90s, I was a big fan of the baby animals. And then they broke up. And then, like, a few years ago, they reformed. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go see the baby animals. I love the baby animals. You know, it's not that long ago. They were great, the baby animals. And then you see them and just, like, this, the bass player's a bit paunchier now. And, you know, Susie, you know, she's still hot, but she's not like, you know, the Susie DiMarchi of the 90s. And just, like, 
Oh God, I was deluded by that memory of them being good once. So, Charlie, this week, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, we got some whispers coming out of Western Australia. No, more whispers. Yeah, no, we got some actual whispers. As opposed to our usual, we've just heard a podcast or read something in the paper and we're repeating it whispers. (laughs) These were... (laughs) These were actual whispers. Okay. Uh, I I won't give too much away from the person who sent me the message, but they are the best friend of one of the other players in the Fremantle. Oh, yeah. I I saw the same message. Right. I think it's in the uh, gave They gave a little bit of information um, about, and pretty much really, to be honest, only reconfirmed what our suspicions would be about the relationship between the Fremantle players and Fife, which is that his standards towards football and training and all those things are completely excellent, but he doesn't necessarily get along well with the other players. Like, it's yeah. pretty much uh, nailed training. Okay, I'm in the chopper. See you suckers on Saturday. <laughs> so- and if he's feeling very generous, he just shakes out a bag of money as the chopper's taken off and watches the, <laughs> watches the rookies fight for it in the middle of the ground. <laughs> See you later, dudes. I'm off my chopper. Shakes out a bag of cash. I, I like to think he doesn't get in it either. Like, it just hovers over the ground and he runs along and just one hand style grabs onto the bottom of yeah. it and flies and off. It, I love it. No, and money, training, money falls out. At the end of training, he just comes out of the change rooms. He's just wearing tracksuit pants, no shirt, got his brown one and his beanie, and he just leaps up right. and grabs onto his chopper with one hand, just flexes the bloody bicep as he gets carried off into the sky, shaking his bag of money out. Yeah, I can't understand why the players have a problem with that. Uh, tell me this, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, if they continue to play terribly, he hasn't re-signed. He's captain of the club now. But if they continue to play terribly, you know, the suspicion is that he, a player of his quality, will want to go and play somewhere where he has chances to, you know, win a premiership, right? I mean, I remember on that day when he missed those goals, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whenever that was, that day you were like, he'll come back and play in plenty more of these and he will nail, yeah, nail mm. it, you know? And now suddenly he's looking at being at a club that, you know, in the prime of his career and the prime of his football career are probably not going to be in the finals, let alone challenge for the premiership. He's out of contract. There's got to be a bunch of other clubs that would like to have five on their list. <laughs> why are we fucking mincing words? He's going to Collingwood. Like, that's, they always go to Collingwood. They always get the big fish. I never understand how they can keep doing it, but they always seem to be able to make room for them. St Kilda. What about St Kilda? Apparently, word the that- whispers... The whispers that I've yeah. heard is that we're uh, more into Lockie Whitfield. That's who we're chasing. We're, I think the idea is that we're too far behind other clubs on Fife, but Lockie Whitfield's probably more of a gettable player. Because you've offered him uh, somewhere to sleep if he's ever been on the pingers <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Needs to avoid a drug test. Here's yeah. we can avoid it, mate. Uh, Frankston, <laughs> or wherever the fuck our home base is. Seaford. I actually uh, had uh, the Saints uh, got in contact with me this week. They wanted to know. They, they saw I'm going to be in town for the Comedy Festival. We're doing a show oh, at yeah. uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival. And they said, do you want to come down and visit Seaford? And I'm like, well, I only get in at like one in the afternoon. For me to get right. to Seaford and have a look around and get back, I'd probably miss the uh, sound check for our show. So I'm not sure if yeah. it's possible. Might not be able to fit in a Seaford trip, but once I, you're back in Moorabbin, I said I can change. I'll be I sure I to come my, and check no, it out. I offered to change my flight. I said if you think it's worth me coming out, I'll change my flight. But um, yeah, I, I can't wait till they go back to Moorabbin. 
Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, we should finish up anyway. We should go through next week's, uh, the, this week's, uh, games. Yeah. And, uh, make some predictions. Um, but, uh, we should finish up. We do have a show, our other podcast, Tofop. We are doing a big live show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival on Saturday, April the 15th. Um, huge lineup of guests and it's over half sold out already. Okay. So how's this, right? So we're doing this live show. We've done these shows every year, um, for the last five years. And, uh, look, it's generally this kind of chat, but with less football talk. But do you reckon, if people who listen to this show want to come buy a ticket to our show, we can at least guarantee two minutes of football talk. I mean, it's totally well, he, well, we normally do get a couple of minutes of football yeah. talk in. But also what I've started to discover, Charlie, is something I never thought would happen in this podcast. Mm. In the last few weeks, I've got several messages from people who say that they listen to this podcast despite never having watched a game of football. Oh, really? Which, I mean, I it, thank you. Um, sometimes <laughs> you must... I'd love to know what confuses you the most. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we have both, apparently. There is some crossover between the two. So uh, we are hoping to get this podcast out more regularly over the football season. Uh, obviously, we've had a bit of a, you know, stumbling start to the season uh, because uh, Charlie and I have been in different countries for all of it and in various different states of different places. But uh, uh, Charlie's coming back to Melbourne for the Comedy Festival, and then we'll have a few more where we're in the same place. And uh, we're hoping to sort of do it more regularly, um, you know, and maybe even get some other things involved. You know, maybe we'll do a live show of this at some stage. You know, a whole bunch of plans we've got for the show, but we'll reveal all those as we go on. So uh, my show is also at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It's the Sydney Opera House this uh, Saturday night and, you know, on tour all over Australia. But let's get to next week's, uh, well, this week's games, Charlie. Friday night at the SCG, the Swans taking on Collingwood. Um, you know, you think that Collingwood will match it for a half or so, and then Sydney should win this, right? But who knows? Swans will win this. Who, knew, who knows? We said Port Adelaide would be lucky to get within 50 points of the Swans in round one. Swans will win this. The Swans will win it easy. They'll be fired up. They'll be ready to go. Are they, uh, Swans. Yeah, do they get tip it back? Uh, not sure. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm going to go to Swans as well. Uh, on Saturday at, uh, what's BA? Bloodstone Arena? I guess so. Yeah, Tassie. It'd be, oh, it's Tassie. a North Melbourne home game, All so right. it's going to be in Tassie. Yeah. Uh, North Melbourne are taking on GWS. Now, I reckon this danger game for GWS, don't you? Yeah. I, I reckon if GWS had won the first two, this would definitely be a danger game. Um... Hard to play down there. It doesn't suit, you know, it's always windy. Probably won't suit their perfect skills. North Melbourne tend to play really well down there. Uh, it'll, be very, it'll be a very one-sided win. crowd. So you think that the uh, the umpires will be uh, influenced. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it'll only be a smaller crowd because it's Tasmania. So GWS certainly won't be, oh no, they'll oh. be really used to that. <laughs> That'll be a home ground advantage for them. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick North Melbourne in this game. GWS for me. I think they're just too good. Uh, the next match is uh, Richmond versus the West Coast Eagle Eagles at the MCG. The time is not right yet, Will. The bandwagon needs to build a little more. Richmond are going to beat the Eagles, and that's my luck of the week. <sighs> I mean, look, for the Richmondy story, which, you know, you know I always barrack for a Richmondy story. I'm so pro Richmondy being Richmondy. And beating West Coast, a team that people really think will be a flag contender this year at the MCG, putting some doubt into West Coast's mind, but also, you know, kind of buoying up Richmond and them getting really, really cocky. I think it'd be great for the story. 
But I think instead, this is their hiccup. I think West Coast win, but Richmond play well enough that it does not dampen the Richmond and Okay. of the situation. Yeah, okay. So like the Saints, they lead the game the whole way through and then get yep. one over at the end. So there's still enough doubts. Yep. I could see that. I could yep. see that. Uh, I'm sticking with the Tigers though. Um, the next game is the Cats versus the Ds at Etihad Stadium. Good fucking game. This should be. Yeah, I absolutely agree with this. Hard one to pick, I reckon. I've picked Melbourne to make the eight and I've not picked Geelong to make the eight, even though I think I still might pick Geelong for this game. No, fuck it. You know what? Oh, no, Jordan Lewis is out for Melbourne. And so is Hogan. And, and so is Hogan. Uh, I'm going to say Geelong. Yeah, I'm going to say Geelong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, will be a cracking game, though. Be very quick on that deck. And the next game uh, is... And Melbourne, oh. of course, are after, over there, uh, Etihad um, Hoodoo yeah. as well. And it's a Saturday, too. Why are they so... even playing that game at Etihad? That seems like a weird place for them to play Geelong versus Melbourne. That's not either of their home grounds. The fuck is it on there? I don't know what's you going on. You think that'd on. be down at Simmons Stadium, right? In Geelong? Or the MC- or the, well, it can't be the MCG because of Richmond. Yeah, that's weird. It's Call a Geelong Gil. home game. Why Gil. is it not at Simmons? You call Gil. Send anyway. me a text. Uh, uh, Paul, oh, here we go. The, what a fucking game this is. Showdown. This will be the match of the game of the round. The showdown. Uh, Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. What And what a time, oh, too. Hey, sorry, just pause. I was going to ask you. I've forgotten. What's the Sydney clash called? Battle of the Bridge? Uh, Battle of the Bridge. But, the, but they a, don't like it. But a bridge is not involved, right? Well, you have to go over the Anzac Bridge, kind of. Well, that's not the, you can. That's not the bridge, though. When you say Sydney, no one thinks of the Anzac Bridge. It's good. When you point. think of the Minogues, you don't think of Danny. It's a good point. It should be Battle of a Bridge. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. It's like they need a better one. <laughs> Battle of the Bridge, not not the bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Underlined, the not not the bridge you're thinking of. <laughs> Battle of the bridge, but not the bridge you're thinking of. When it comes to bridges, they've definitely gone the Lloyd rather than the Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah, support Adelaide taking on Adelaide uh, at Adelaide Oval. Jeez, that'll be a, a humdinger. What a great game. Jenkins might be back too because nothing happened to him. <laughs> Yeah, nothing was wrong with him. <laughs> he might have one week out with embarrassment, but um, I don't know. I just I think Adelaide are irresistible, but Port Adelaide are, are just um, they're playing such exciting football. It's hard to know. I'm going to go with my my heart and say Adelaide. Yeah, I reckon Adelaide just, but this will be a cracking, cracking game, I imagine. And I just said I'm going to go with my heart and say Adelaide, and now I want to kill myself. <laughs> I never thought <laughs> that sentence would ever come out of my mouth. Uh, Fremantle play the West Bull- Western Bulldogs at Domain Stadium, at Penis Stadium uh, there in Perth. Penis and Plaza. Look, I mean, the last this is an interesting one for us because uh, the last time the Bulldogs lost the game of football, Charlie, it was against the Fremantle Dockers at Domain Stadium in last the last year. round of last season. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when you guys put the cue on the rack, so to speak. Yeah, because the game didn't count, so yeah. we rested ourselves. But... <laughs> But technically, we have not lost a game of football since then. And we need... I mean, at some stage, we will lose a game of football. Uh, I am very much hoping it will not be to Fremantle at Domain Stadium. I, I hope that this will be one that we should win pretty easily. I mean, obviously, this week, Fremantle have been all over the press. There's going to be a lot of pressure on from over there. Maybe there'll be some sort of spirited comeback and or whatever. But you, you, I, you've got to think the Bulldogs will win that one. One of my... What I'm looking forward to this year is the Bulldogs 
finding something the Bulldogs can't beat. Because the, in the last six games we've seen them play, they have conquered every like unimaginable obstacle. So I'm keen to know what the next stumbling block is for the Bulldogs. Is it going to be like an away game? Is it going to be coming up against a team that plays a different style? Like I don't see any team... Like Sydney, I thought could have troubled them, but they didn't really... I mean, you know, you guys eventually won. So interesting, interesting. Um, you're going to kill them, though. <laughs> you absolutely Let's hope so. It'll be like... A... I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'd be really happy if uh, um, we absolutely put on a bath over there. It'd be great. Um, all right, St Kilda play the Brisbane Lions at Eddie Head Stadium in a game that I think probably three weeks ago you would have gone, well, you know, regardless of what happens in the first two rounds, we've got Brisbane at Eddie Head uh, in round three, so I'm confident we can tick that one off. And I'm still pretty confident the Saints will win this one, but you've got to be a little more nervous about this game than you w- would have been three uh, weeks ago. Uh, I'm not, actually. I think, I, think, I think we'll do what needs to be done. I don't know if we'll be like, you know, if it'll be an easy walkover, but... I just think that what they showed last week was that they can switch on, you know, they want to make amends and it's, you sort of need a game like this to come along, you know, when you've been, had your pants pulled down. Like, I think there's too much at stake. If we're serious, like if we lose, then fuck it, you know, you could say the the whole, it's been a, it's a disastrous start. So I just can't imagine it happening. What am I, no, cook, I am I overcooking it? <laughs> No, I think that's right. I think you're about right. <laughs> I, think the, I think the Saints are going to win as well. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, Carlton versus Essendon at the MCG. Now, this should be a huge crowd. I hope that Carlton fans get out to support this one. I know Essendon fans will. Um, Carlton's been having a real crack. And going to see them play a team, you know, that in some ways, you know, is in a better position to them, but, um, you know, is also on the on the comeback. There's a chance that, you know, because you never know with Essendon if they're going to have a week where, you know, they suddenly all get a bit tired or the momentum or the adrenaline of being back or whatever doesn't. Carlton are going to win one at some stage. Yeah. And this is the sort of one that, you know, if Brisbane, against if, the odds if they Brisbane, could win. If Brisbane got close last round, then you couldn't you couldn't see any reason why Carlton couldn't do the same thing. You know, if, if Essendon are vulnerable to that style of play. But I just think Essendon are too much to play for, too good a team. Danaher's head yeah. a little bit bigger. Apparently. I reckon Horatio Fantasia is going to kick another lazy five. And that is my Fantasia lock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me lock your lock for you. I, I, I have to hold my microphone. I can't actually lock myself. You can just slap your arm. It's right now. There you go. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you pulled the trigger a little too early. There is one game to go. Of course, how could we forget um, traditional rivals, Gold Coast and Hawthorne up at Metricon. Uh, sorry, the Campbell, this, the Campbell, I, Brown Cl- uh, Campbell Brown Cup. I thought Hawthorne had the bye. So good news is for um, Mike Hell, our producer, that Hawthorne will get their first easy kill of the season and they will get on the scoreboard. Oh, but Will, and, uh, what if they don't? What they if will. Hawthorne lose to the biggest basket case in the AFL? I fear for the Gold Coast this weekend. Alistair Clarkson might end Rodney Eade's fine coaching career this weekend because Hawthorne are going to go up there with a taste of blood in their mouth and they will want to make a point and it is going to be a horrible, horrible massacre. That's what's going to happen. And that's your second lock of the week. week. (laughs) That one feels too easy. (laughs) 
Um, all right, so we're done. Um, little extra. Yep. Gee, that was almost an hour and a half. Like, we, we talk for as long as an actual game. <laughs> Yeah, well, normally we talk for as long as the women's game, but today yeah. <laughs> we talk for the men's game. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. As we said, you know, uh, very soon we're going to be back in the same place, which will make it easier for us to get this more regular. But thank you so much for supporting it. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, spread it around. Um, we, have another, know, uh, we, have a, we have another podcast called TOEFOP, which is uh, like this, but less football talk. Yes. But, you know, same incredible level of precision coherency <laughs> and charlie does the intro in that one so i don't have to fuck up the start all i have to remember is my name it's actually really good fun anyway play on not 15 ball we are to go